Let me take you by the hand and lead you through the streets of Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Hello and welcome to the Ed Fringe podcast, Luke Tolson edition. This is an interview that I took with Luke Tolson in 2013 about his experiences at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe. Luke Tolson was nominated for the Perrier Best Newcomer Award at the 2004 festival, as you'll hear. So he really does have a a good bit of insight into the Ed Fringe uh, from that perspective as well, which I think is is fascinating, especially that kind of era. He won the Hackney New Empire of the Year competition in 2007, and uh, yeah, he still tours and does stand up to this day, and um, and still does the Edinburgh Festival. But this is his little time shot, his time capsule from that time in 2013 and the previous 10 years, I'd say. So I hope you enjoy the conversation with him, and uh, I will see you on the other side. Hello, Luke Tolson. Hello, Barry Ferns. Hello. <laughs> um, so uh, you're doing a show this year at Edinburgh? Yes, I am doing my own stand-up show called Luke Who's Talking. Ah. Yeah, I like what you've done there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you're, where are you on? Where are you at? I am on at the Underbelly, Deli Belly... 905. Yeah, that's a nice room, actually. It is, yeah. I've never, I've never performed in there before, but I've, uh, but I've seen stuff. Saw the great Tom Basden do his uh, his nominated his winning show I think yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's very good um, and, but it's not the first Edinburgh you've done no this will be my my 10th festival I don't know how many shows I went as an actor back in the 90s and 2000 and then started going as a double act in 2005 and have done a bunch of shows and this will be my 10th year and about my 15th show I think 15th show yeah well back when we were acting like the first couple of years I did two plays each time and like the first time I went to Edinburgh um, as a second year geography student from Manchester University we did a couple of plays one of them was at an old sea venue down on Princess Street and that was uh, Stephen Burkhoff's adaptation of The Trial a very sort of physical piece and this got five star reviews and got uh, we we won a total theatre award and we were sold out 140 uh, seats uh, every night and it was a real great show I saw that did you really I saw that in Edinburgh uh-huh. says, did you say it was on Princess Street on the yeah, the, yeah yeah in that church I saw down that. the end I really liked it it made me go and read the trial oh really yeah. it's, a, it's a great it was adaptation. very theatre studenty it was like it was sure, totally but sure then it was it, very... you were very theatre studenty that was yeah. second year geography student well geography yeah so I yeah. think there was some drama students there but oh. it wasn't, it wasn't oh, that's a... a shame I quite like the idea of it the geography a... students version of the cat <laughs> no I think I was the only only geography student in the cast but it was yeah it was Manchester drama society and it's quite fun because the hmm. dressing rooms were underneath the the nave yeah. of the church and you know those sort of grills you have in the floor of churches so we were sort of walking under there just being dicks while people were upstairs sort of praying and we uh, and then no it was a nice little venue and then and then part of the, the <laughs> when you said being dicks or you uh, I mean I, I, and I pretending to be assholes dead yeah, relatives the, the, of, of the devil and stuff like that and, <laughs> okay. you know uh, hijinks I think I, I, was, I was geography student hijinks I was in my early 20s uh, I was a whale of a laugh um and a whale of a laugh. You were a whale of a laugh. I, I, was think. A, I remember seeing you, and you were definitely a whale, whale of a laugh. That's, yeah. And yeah, no, we did. And then this was when the C 
venues was over um, they had a couple of venues um, and they were over sort of Princess Street and that's when obviously the assembly rooms was in his pomp and there was a few other venues in the new town and this was before uh, the Pleasance Dome so this was and it was before Gilded Balloon had burnt down is before everything had moved up to TV at Square so there was a much more even spread so in a way the Pleasance felt the, the thing which was out and away whereas a lot of the action happened down on Princess Street and then obviously partly instigated by uh, the Pleasance Dome and then the uh, the Utterbelly Cow uh, just everything has migrated and assembly rooms has come and the sea venues uh, came in before that so it, it, I mean just even geographically speaking obviously yeah. interested in the geography it, the, the, the <laughs> festival has migrated uh, very significantly to to the old town mm. yeah it was uh, it's actually a much smaller area as well where a lot of the venues are in like if people think of having to walk over to Leith, Leith Street to yeah. stand like, oh, I don't know if I can be did you know that um, the I was talking to Earl Oaken um, and I didn't realise but in 92 I don't know what was the first year that you were in it I first year as a performer I think was 96, 97 something like that I went up a year before just as a pisshead student seeing some of my friends in shows mm. um, but yeah it was, it was about that actually I mean talk, talking about that what was your first as a pisshead student but your first experience at the fringe had you heard of the fringe before well no I mean I, I certainly hadn't heard of the Edinburgh fringe prior to going to Edinburgh and then when I was uh, sorry prior to going to Manchester University and when I was at Manchester University uh, with aspirations to be an actor uh, which I still have um, <laughs> I uh, yeah people were saying yeah well, let's go to the Edinburgh first obviously it's a big studenty thing and it was much more of a studenty thing back then uh, when theatre was predominant and uh, and people said let's do it I think at the end of my first year I don't know what I did Oh yes, well, what I did was I went up and watched that. I didn't get into any of the shows, or I mm. don't, I don't even remember if I auditioned for them. But I went up and slept on someone's floor, and some of my friends were doing a production of As You Like It, and I think I saw some, some, uh, some comedy. I remember my earliest experiences of Edinburgh. Um, maybe we'll touch on this when we get to sort of where the old uh, Gilded Balloon was. But um, I, I certainly I saw a couple of shows, and and it was a much more ex- in a way it was a more exciting festival because it was theatre and the comedy was sort of separate and um, and not this absolutely unwieldy beast that it's become and this massively dominant. And I think also the theatre that was on was much more exciting because a lot more of the international companies came, not to the international festival, but you had a lot of these, you know. Uh, early frantic assembly uh, um, you had sort of Derivo and Deviate and a lot of the Eastern European companies came over but now I think they probably don't come over in such numbers because it's they're like well let's go to a festival which isn't losing all its tickets mm. to comedy yeah 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 so, um, so it was because you were more in just uh, theatre then, so yeah. it was quite an exciting theatre experience. It was. Right. I mean, well, I think in a way, anything that involves a party town for a month when you're, I guess I was 22 or something, 23, you know, and you're, you're experiencing serious relationships for the first time, both with women and alcohol and smoking. <laughs> and, um, you know, here, and of course, the, the great thing about Edinburgh back then, this was pre... Uh, 24 hour drinking uh, which you know 
is, personally is, is the norm. Well, yeah, I'm personally as well. But yeah, I mean, going yeah. to Edinburgh where pubs stayed open to five was yeah. was. I mean, it was if if I look, reason to to change where you live. No, exactly. If I if I if I look back at, at a golden era of my drinking, then it probably was those early Edinburgh experiences. Mm. Um, yeah, happy days. <laughs> So you kind of so the first Edinburgh that you you were on at the trial, and what was the experience of of being at the festival then? So it wasn't as it wasn't as comedy dominated, it was uh, and there was the drinking, this party atmosphere. I mean, was there anything else that struck you about the festival other than just the party atmosphere, or the was that? Well, just I I mean, to anyone who hasn't been to Edinburgh, it is an extraordinary thing, and I think even now. As someone who is sort of becoming part of the veteran territory of someone, you know, I'm not a Richard Herring who's done sort of 18 back-to-back shows, but you sort of, it has become normal to me to expect a large-ish town to be taken over for a month and that I think the first time you do that is is extraordinary that that you don't believe that literally every room, every venue, every shop, every church, every street, is touched by this 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 festival, and it it's it really shouldn't work. And I think it is unique. And uh, even if you look at all these other uh, festivals, whether it's the Leicester Festival or the Glasgow Festival, which I've never been, I've been to the Leicester Festival a few times. It, it's not the same thing. It's you know just a lot of shows are putting on this takes over right right down to obviously famously the the Royal Mile which you're, you're I'm sure you'll talk about with just the street performers I mean it's like uh, having you know a, a Covent Garden in the middle of a fringe festival mm. in the middle of back then of course there was the film and the TV festivals as well which I think both have moved now so in terms of dates not uh, uh, location but um, it, I think just the, the sheer awesomeness of it, and I mean that not in its sort of retro <laughs> cool way, just in terms of the, the huge size of it. And, and the, the figures are, are constantly extraordinary in terms of the number of shows, the number of participants, the, the number of people. And every year people talk about, are there going to be less people? Are there going to be less shows? Is the weather going to affect it? Is the Olympics going to affect it? And it's 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 almost too big now to fail really isn't it it just i mean it will change and you know you'll have good years and bad years both as a festival but also as a performer but it's it mm. is massive mm. So it's just the hugeness of I it think kind so. of effect, like affecting you. I think you. that so is because I, I I I would certainly say that artistically I I saw I have seen some great things there both in terms of theatre back in the day and comedy, but not necessarily to the to to the to say well I've never seen anything remarkable in London or New York or other places that you've been lucky enough to to, to go and artistically perhaps it isn't quite as exciting as a place as it has been but you only have to look at you know sort of Daniel Kitson through the years and, and you know various sketch groups whether it's Tin Key or whatever they, these people it is the sort of the cutting edge of yeah. the comedy performance and that is still the, the case obviously there's this massive impact from YouTube and internet and uh, and Twitter and blogs and people putting out clips and, and a whole different way to, to, to kickstart a comedy career but yeah. I mean there's always going to be a place for Edinburgh 
Yeah. And so you first went up in 97 as a show. I think so, yeah. 97 did two shows, then went back in 98 and did two more shows, tried to repeat the, the thing. So I went up basically with the same company, uh, the two companies. and when we you did, were at Manchester. So, so yeah, so this was my final year of Manchester, doing very little geography at this point. <laughs> and I, we went back with another physical version of, uh, of, of what is actually Mac, Macbeth this time. And we... Uh, the, the, we had like uh, um, some capoeira dancers who were playing the murderers and, <laughs> and it was a very sort of dance based thing I wasn't doing any of that the funniest thing about that was that um, I, I played the character I'm, I'm, I'm not the greatest actor um, I, uh, one day who knows I, I'm, I may have a great Richard the Third in me, but uh, I, I certainly haven't had it in me until now. And in Macbeth, we I played the parts of Duncan, um, obviously the king. So I'm there at the beginning of this, going, "Hello, I am the king. Well done, Macbeth." You know, uh, and then it's sort of like, "I'm off to bed now. I'm going to bed. No one murder me." No. And, and then what I would do is I would walk around the back of the stage. I would then re-enter the following day uh, of the play um, after the murder's taken place. People, I assume, know. The, the play well enough I enter as Macduff going morning everyone no change of performance no change of costume no change of any no change of accent even just morning I'm Macduff okay I'm paraphrasing I was obviously had the, 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 the Shakespearean text and then I'm just going to wake up the, the king and the, this audience of American tourists which is basically what you have for any Shakespeare play because there's always like about three Macbeths the, these all these are going so so who the who the hell is this guy is this this and then I would go oh no oh horror 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 that terrible line to sort of the, the king's been murdered and obviously people it made no sense to, to, to anyone um, but so that production we were trying to relive the, the, the experience of the trial from the previous year and and, and, and the other play which was uh, you know a typically uh, forgive the language wanky uh, sort of English students had written some play called Chasing Tales where you know what's real what's acted who's in the audience who's an actor and that also similarly like uh, the, the the show before and, and and done well and then yeah then I then I had a year off um, I when I trained to be a teacher didn't go to Edinburgh and then I went to drama school and then at the end of drama school I uh, put together a company where we then took uh, a production of Friedrich Dürrenmatt the visit which we did at some church venue uh, just down below the Royal Mall. And I was very proud because at the time, uh, you know, in the first, that was the first time I'd sort of done anything. I put on a show, um, I produced it, I was in it, and, and it was pretty good. And, and we actually, interestingly, got sort of scouted by a festival in Milan, and we got to take the show to Milan. And uh, funnily enough, in that cast was Benedict Cumberbatch, who was a friend from university, who is obviously now people will know from Shylock and, uh, and very, various uh, other high-profile productions. He played the, the main part in that. And we went to Italy, and then we had a relationship with this theatre in, in Italy, and I went back another couple of times, and then even dated uh, an Italian woman for, for a number of years. Uh, had a sort of a cross... Uh, country uh, romance and this all came out of, of, of Edinburgh but during that time I, I didn't go back to, to Edinburgh during the sort of early 2000s until uh, the big sort of change in my life um, was I formed the double act with Stephen Harvey who you know and we went up in 2005 and that's when sort of my modern era of comedy and life began with obviously 
uh, so, the, the Perrier nomination that I mention whenever I'm given the opportunity. <laughs> so there was that big break then between 99 and 2005. Uh, uh, yeah, between 2000 and sorry, 2000. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, I may have got the match wrong, but yeah, we we definitely went up in 2000, and then yeah, there was a break then when I guess maybe Edinburgh wouldn't have had another thing to do with me had I gone on and had an acting career that I had perhaps aspired to. But then by forming the the, the double act, really the only place to go was Edinburgh. Uh, in the mid 2000s and this was obviously a great era this was just after the flight of the Concords and had uh, had been up there and Daniel Kitson had just been nominated and there was I think there was a really exciting time there for, for comedy and you look at a lot of the sort of then in those years I look back at it with fondness the sort of 2005 through to, to 2007 when we did our initial three double act shows which sort of got progressively worse in terms of uh, respect reception but, mm. but were probably actually better shows each time uh, annoyingly or, or conversely but d- during that time a lot of the people like you know uh, Anna and Katie uh, Watson and Oliver um, you know the, the idiots the cowards we are clang the sketch thing then at the time was was sort of very exciting yeah, Cardinal Burns and all these people who are now uh, coming on to, to TV but obviously that, that wasn't the path for me and Steve and that was partly as a result of doing stand-up um, me falling in love with stand-up and, and obviously I then wanted to be in Edinburgh it's the only place to be as a comedian in August um, and so in 2008 I took my first solo show um, which again was ridiculously early because I'd only been doing stand-up for two years sorry that, that was, was a, and the, the question you just asked there was so uh, geography <laughs> what's that about you know and I've spoken for like 10 minutes well, so. no, I mean you said it, you missed out interve- the intervening um, in 2006, you won the Hackney Empire New Act of the Year. 2007. 2007. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, no, we so did that kind of. I think, yeah, you that made you go into stand up more yeah. focusing on stand up. I mean, you mentioned there's quite a lot in in what you mentioned. There was, um, I mean, there, it, one of the interesting things about Edinburgh, yeah, you, like you mentioned, kind of, you there were the other sketch shows. There was like you know Katie and Anna and Fat Tongue or yeah, Cardinal no, Burns exactly, yeah. now and. Uh, idiot savants and all these people kind of starting starting off and you know where they've gone now um, I should I should mention of course uh, Pappy's, Pappy's Fun, Fun Club, Club and, and yeah. Penny and the Penny Dreadfuls you know so mm. they then came both slightly after the cowards and, and Penny's pubs but um, but yeah but um, and also Benedict Cumberbatch and there's there's the Cumber whatever his name was yeah Cumberbatch yeah. Cumberbatch that'll do apparently yeah, there's um, people sorry to interrupt that that, that uh, people who fancy him because he's, he's a charming chap obviously uh but, uh, but he's he? not. He's not. He? Well, he, well, no, he's a bit of a dick. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, in the same way that most of you know my friends are dicks. But he, but he's he's obviously very talented. But apparently, there's lots of women who fancy him in the way that people, of male or female, often fancy anyone who does well. And they're called uh, cumber bitches. Okay. <laughs> there's uh, women who fancy uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and his couple of bitches. Exactly. Sounds like a sixties uh, yeah, band, band that never was. That, um, <laughs> so a cabaret band. Um, there's, uh, but that's one of the big things about Edinburgh is that you do mingle with people that are either famous at the time, yeah, or go on to become famous. So who's the most famous person you've ever hung out with in Edinburgh? Uh, well, in the first Katerina Varna. Katerina Varna, of course. Um, I, I went. Um, Little in joke for anyone in the room there. 
<laughs> that won't make the edit. <laughs> there's, uh, well, no, if there was, if there was uh, Matt Lucas. Uh, Matt Lucas, I was, um, I was, uh, I kind of in my head, I'm still friends with Matt Lucas, even though I've not seen him for a long time. But when I did, I did about six months of stand up when I was ninety, uh, when I was seventeen, and in, so in 1995 I was in the semi final of So You Think You're Funny, and I wasn't going to go up. And uh, but anyway, I ended up, <laughs> I ended up. Uh, and I knew Matt from before, but uh, that was just around the time that Bob Mortimer saw him and just thought, yeah, we, I'd like to oh, see really? him. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Like, wow. To be on Shooting Stars. So it was just as he was getting that gig, and yeah. it was all quite exciting for him. It was, um, But a really nice guy, truly nice guy. Um, and uh, But, yeah, it, there's something about Edinburgh, isn't there, that, that you do end up in the same... I remember when I was... Um, uh, in <laughs> when I first went out to Edinburgh, I was fifteen. Yeah, and this is not when I had the 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 show. Um, I ended up round a table with Bill Bailey, Sean Locke, um, uh, Jeff Green, um, and John Maloney, and wow. it was those. Yeah, it was all those guys that I really respected and seen on, and me, um, sixteen year old. Uh, <laughs> I, basically, I don't know how I ended in the situation, but just kind of, you know, I'd, I'd somehow managed. There, it was around a, um, it was having a meal, having a. Uh, it's just, it was awkward because I didn't have any money up to pay on, on anything other than a starter. It's just you had moments where, where uh, Bill Bailey just, I was next to Bill Bailey, and Bill Bailey just turned to me and said, "So what are you doing, Edinburgh?" I was just, oh, "No, so what are you doing?" A levels, <laughs> you know, kind of real. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that was uh, trying to laugh at all the grown-up jokes and wondering why am I here, while they also wondered why is he here. <laughs> um, like uh, anyway, but but that is. I mean, have you got any other kind of Edinburgh kind of tales of of of? Oh well, there's people? loads, isn't there? I mean, I think you can't go to uh, the Edinburgh Festival nine times. That's nine months. Um, you know, that's sort of two thirds of a year of your life has been spent in this this particular town, which you probably wouldn't really have ever gone to otherwise. And um, like, I, I think I've. I think I've only ever been there once outside the festival for for a wedding. But yeah, you go there and I've had some I've had some great festivals, you know, there's been I mean the first time was amazing. I think the first time I went up as uh, with the double act was amazing. I, I certainly enjoyed the first time I did the stand up. Uh, up there and you have these amazing months if the show's going well and then obviously I've also had months where shows like the second year I've had like three difficult second albums I went up second year acting second year uh, double act second year stand up um, and you know I've had months when I've been unwell I've had uh, shows when you it hasn't been going well and it's a horrible place to, to be really it can be quite tough in a sort of oh feel sorry for me but you, you loads of things happen I, I remember once the first year I went out there I had a girlfriend um, who was in a, uh, another show and one night um, I can't remember what I was doing but she was out at a bar and she got hit on by Steve Coogan you know and um, she didn't go back to his hotel um, and came back to me and I was like what are you doing man my girlfriend could have fucked Steve Coogan that is that would have been I would have been fired out no, I don't think she had any interest in, in 
<laughs> we were saying that as a perspective, kind of like news story to write. Well, raise no, not profile. It's almost like pimping your girlfriend out to not to, to promote the show, promotion. but it's uh, that enter your. The thing is, in Edinburgh, that kind of thing does enter. Certainly, PR agents would have. Well, they, someone uh, would have thought about it. Whether they would have done it, I remember. If I've got an old friend of mine from school whose girlfriend um, had either before him or after him uh, dated Thierry Henry, and I think it was the proudest thing that ever happened to him that uh, like his girlfriend left him for Thierry Henry but uh, yeah there's that and I think so there are um, there's, a lot, there's lots of sort of moments we sort of just just pop up but uh, that's partly because you know I first went there when I was sort of early 20s and I'm now mid 30s and it's been my 10th time yeah. and uh, so the the 2005 onwards um, would you like what were there any kind of like, I mean, I suppose 2005, let's look at years because otherwise it becomes. Yeah, so 2005, you're in the. The uh, Pleasance Hut. The Pleasance Hut. Was, so you went straight into the Pleasance. We were, yeah, no, well, because what happened was we formed the double act and we worked quite hard on it and it, and it was it was very good to start with. And um, I had a contact uh, friend who managed to get an agent from. Uh, PFD, Peter Fraser and Dunlop, who are no longer but are sort of basically united artists now, um, who sort of amongst them have people like, you know, Kate Winslet and Ricky Gervais and stuff like that. And she saw us, uh, they signed us up and they got us into the, the Pleasance. And, and, and in a way that was a great thing because when I was an actor, the Pleasance was always this exciting place where things happened, mm-hmm. but I wasn't part of it. And suddenly I was part of that and that was great. And the Pleasance are very good at being very loyal to you and so I've done I don't know five shows there out of the, the my subsequent sort of seven mm. and, and uh, so yeah no we went straight in the Pleasance which was which was great we were in the hut which is lovely uh, if hot like all venues a uh, little 50 seater porter cabin down the bottom but in an area which uh, is now sort of where uh, the the baby grand is I guess mm. and um, and it, it, I mean people look back on it because we were nominated as if you know it must have been an amazing year I mean we didn't sell out all the time and uh, the show itself was slightly flawed but but I think there was lots of laughs in it and a very committed performance and I must admit much in the same way as when I first started stand-up and I had a sort of early success I thought well this is fucking easy <laughs> you know? um, but yeah no we were we were nominated alongside Tim Minchin um, whatever's happened to him Mark Watson the same Rod Gilbert a guy called Charlie Pickering who's got his own TV show in Australia and, and Tulsa Harvey so uh, you know and uh, and who's here in your living room doing the podcast only Luke Tulson. well uh, Mark's coming later <laughs> no. well he didn't win either yeah but he's done all right since. I believe your girlfriend's sleeping with him right now. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so I couldn't make it any earlier. Um, but uh, so, uh, and of that year, are there any particular memories that stand out? Like uh, things that happened that, that if you think are particularly good or particularly bad? Like obviously winning was a, must have been a lovely nominating. nominating. Uh, I remember the, the, the day of the nomination was quite fun because, I, I mean, in a way, it happens to a lot of people now. You know, every year, 10 people, and if over 10 years, that's sort of 100 people have been 
um, sort of nominated. So it's not, uh, but you know, obviously hundreds aren't. And I remember on the day they 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 ring you up to say that because the worst thing is you get shortlisted, not long listed. You get long listed, and you can't tell anyone that. So you get told that on a, something like the, the the Monday or something, and you're you're in the, and you're in like the final ten, uh, but that means nothing unless you get the the, the shortlist. And uh, they rang us out on the Wednesday morning at about eight o'clock and said you're shortlisted, and I was like, wow, awesome, and then went back to sleep. Yeah. Much the same as like I remember when I got told Princess Diana. I died. I, you know, you go wrong. Uh, um, someone came in um, at eight o'clock in the morning. So Princess Diana, and you're like, cool. Okay, nothing's going to change if I don't go to sleep. You know, I'm like, I'm going to go to sleep. And then you woke up, and yeah, no, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. I, I don't remember um, a lot about it. I uh, just thought all those sort of experiences for the first time. But I, I, I God, that's terrible. I suppose it's. How many years ago is that? Seven. Seven years ago, and I don't remember any specific stories. <laughs> Did you say you were drinking at the time? Yeah, I was, yeah, no, I was. I don't, I don't know if that's... Because I do remember some things from when I was drinking. But, yeah, no, I, I was drinking a lot. But um, the show was, was really good, and I was working really hard on it. And, and in a way, that was probably the happiest time between me and Steve, uh, the double actor. And, and you know, over the, the, the years after, we found it sort of harder and harder, just because it is like a relationship. It is like a marriage being in, in a double act. Yeah. And, um, and that does... It becomes uh, less exciting as time goes on. It is. It's tricky. Yeah. It is difficult. And I think some of the great uh, double acts, uh, a lot of it's to do with their, 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 not just their relationship, Relationship on stage, but their relationship off stage, and I think David Baddiel once said uh, something which I always grabbed, uh, sort of held on to, was in a double act you have to be able to tell the other guy that their idea is shit and it be okay, and mm. you know maybe that was that was tricky. Um, now drawing a blank when it comes on any any great stories from two thousand and five, two thousand and six. 2000 there the difficult second album so I at the time that that's probably the most political I've ever been because this was 2006 so this was when the war on terror was in its pomp you know we were in Iraq we were in Afghanistan Tony Blair was public enemy number one as was George Bush and we did a show which had a great narrative lots of characters and but but for one reason or another, we went up with a, a company called Bound and Gagged. Um, we lost a lot of money. We didn't have the success of the previous year. We got dumped by our agent via email about a week after the festival. Mm. We were making a pilot radio show with the BBC radio and uh, that got pulled and really very quickly we, we sort of felt like we'd gone from heroes to, to, to villains. Um, and in a way, that was the beginning of the end of the double act, although we have done subsequently two additional shows. We were about the following year when we went to the underbelly, and I think we had a lot of fun, but we sort of were under the radar, and I was falling in love with stand-up, and which, which sort of... Uh, I know yourself, you've done stand-up and sketch, and it's very difficult. There's very few people who can do both. I think, you know, Matt Crosby does a bit of stand-up as well as Pappies and... Greg Davis, obviously, stand up uh, as well as uh, We Are Clang, but you know, you, you can see that, you know, Matt, Matthew Crosby is really sort of focused on Pappies, and Greg has sort of pretty much gone solo, you know, and, and it, it was, it did really, it probably was the stand up which, it was the stand up that killed it. 
But it, the focus, your focus went somewhere else. Yeah, so. I think so. Because you just, you just start seeing the world in terms of stand-up rather than in terms of sketch. Mm. And it's a bit like if, if uh, whatever your medium is, like before I got into comedy, I tried to write plays and a book, mm. you know, and so every idea you, if something happened to you, you'd turn that into mm. a narrative for a, a play. But now I just see everything. And so, so what's the deal with bus stops? You know, another great observation routines so in 2007 you went to the underbelly and uh, that was when you were moving into stand-up more yeah you won the, the well Hattie I just Empire. won the Hattie Empire new out of the year yeah. and we I did a showcase show with uh, Christian Knowles where okay. he did four on the floor which had four acts one of who was Holly Walsh who's obviously uh, uh, does very well these days and we won in the gilded balloon which is the, the new gilded balloon on uh, TV at square Mm. Um, and so yeah, I was. Uh, that was another year where you did two shows, and that was a, a lot of, lot of fun. Um, and that was great. I mean, just first, the first time you, you start doing twenty minutes of stand up, you know, is is mm. quite a quite a big landmark. Um, and the thing is you can't even remember so much of what affects you of the festival is how the weather was and I remember which years were good and which years were bad in terms of the weather and how much you enjoyed them but I can't remember about 2007 so this this interview is just going to be me going I don't remember 2007 was the year the first year Lionel Richie was there it was so that was pretty much um, the first time we met we'd obviously yeah. done a few gigs at the bathhouse oh yeah I did about six months rest of comedy in there with my um, with my clipboard while I was doing that remember that the the audience reaction clipboard where I was um, <laughs> it won't be any surprise that I don't remember that either um, but uh, that so it, it was the line of year it was good weather um there was uh, Stuart Lee was coming back to the festival for the first no that was 2004 sorry um, 2007 what else happened because uh, it was yeah it was it was relatively good the weather there um, uh, uh, I'm trying to think what other Milton Jones was in the big room you were in the big room and it was a little bit too big for you guys it was, it was, it was alright no, that's what you said. That's what you said. You it like, was when well, it was the thing that we we'd sort of come to the end of our working relationship with the Pleasants, and uh, this was before the underbelly was quite the the mammoth thing that it is now. But it was obviously it'd been going about five years then, and they were quite happy to sort of poach shows, uh, give them a slightly better deal. And the only room they had available was a sort of one hundred and fifty seater where we needed really a fifty seater. But sometimes we had seventy people in there. Um, and that was uh, and that was yeah no, it was a fun show I think the first 20 minutes of that show was about as funny as we ever got mm. um, I mean, and you, you're saying at the time you liked the show but it was just that the, the, the venue because it was just a very big venue so yeah, there's a lot of pressure to get it. you, it's, a, it's that difficult thing I don't know whether audiences always truly I mean I know audiences feel when they walk into a room and it's rammed they know we're here and there's yeah. an excitement we found some when when 
it's about half full. There's a bit. Uh, Is it going to be? What's it going to be? Are, like? we, are we pilgrims are we in an unholy land? Uh, if we throw money away, there's. So I mean, from 2007, you were doing that stand up. That was a year where you did both stand up and sketch. Yeah. And then 2008, 2008 was your first stand up. First, did the, I did yeah stand up, uh, which again I was back at the Pleasance. Um, I did my first solo show, no double act, and that was that was just so much fun. That was uh, as a show. It was called There Are So Many Things I Can't Do, and it was really a list of my what I felt were my failures, which had led to me becoming a stand up. Um, my failures at school, my failures in relationships, my failures as a uh, as a father, as an actor, and then being being a stand up. And I think it was fine, but the problem is, I think being fine is not good enough. There, there's however many hundred comedy shows however many hundred stand-up shows by a white bloke middle class in his 30s and I, I was fine I think people who came enjoyed it but it, it wasn't a remarkable show and then yeah I came back in 2009 same room same time did another show and this is when I was trying to be a bit more hard-hitting and perhaps um, try to sort of push the envelope a little bit but that's difficult to do, especially when you've only been going a couple of years. And that show probably wasn't a success, but the biggest problem was I was very unwell. Um, uh, I was unwell for the whole festival. So that was a miserable time. 2009. 2009. So then I then came back in 2010 with with uh, with my first stand-up show where I thought, actually, no, stand-up, I can be as good, if not better, as a stand-up than, than I was as a double act, which had been a bit of a sort of... Uh, yoke on my shoulders of oh, you know five years of being nominated for Perrier yeah. and then oh, well, obviously winning the, the Empire New Act yeah, yeah which, well, that's just and a five minutes New Act but thing. it's but, still you know it's a badge yeah, I mean, to, yeah. uh, but uh, and then yeah so I was very proud and then and then interestingly 2010 I did that but nothing I wasn't I was producing the show myself so you're out there flyering you feel that you get a little bit lost mm. amongst the Avalons and the off the curbs and the big companies and um, and then actually, when I decided not to go back in 2011, having done six years on the bounce, it was an amazing weight off my shoulders. And I'm very, uh, we've spoken a lot about this, I'm very happy with where my show is for this year. And a lot of that is a result of taking a year off and spending a little bit more time, rather than in 2010, when we actually tried to do a comeback show for the double act. So I, I was writing two shows uh, in one year. This year, I've been, uh, I've had two years to write one show. And, you know, it's difficult. There's not many comedians in the world who can turn around an hour of quality material every year. And, and I'm probably not one of them yet. But you're happy with the show this year? Yes, this year, very excited. So yeah, come and see that. Five minutes past nine at the Deli Belly, mm. and it's uh, you. You said it's your funniest show in terms of like it's, you. You feel like it's 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 definitely minute, my minute. funniest show as a stand-up. Mm. Um, I I think I think it is. I think it is funny, and that's just because the material in it. I've been working on it in the very separate circuit that is the Jonglers and the weekend club circuit throughout the rest but of the year. You know, but you've managed to do that and also talk about. 
subjects that are more personal to you. So try, try to, try to. My well, no, you do. I think you're being kind of, you know, they are they're subjects in your life, so you're managing to I th- I, merge the two a bit. I often wish that I could be a little bit more outward looking in my stand up. Um, I, but I often find anything when it gets similar to what people would describe as observational material, um, I I just find I don't really connect with it personally. Whereas when it's anything which is about my relationship with my two kids or things that have happened with my two kids or things that have happened with my girlfriend or how I feel about my relationship with my girlfriend um, or just being 35... Um, uh, uh, you know, non-drinking, former teacher, living in London, this is how my life is. That's where I find the comedy. And I think because there is a connection between me and the material, there is a slightly, hopefully, an additional layer that you're not just watching someone tell you jokes, you're actually watching someone experiencing the jokes. So all these things, I was there playing that game with my kids. I was there making a fool of myself with my girlfriend or whatever. There's a dirty reality of it. There's humour in the dirty The dirty reality of it. I like that. (laughs) So for dirty reality, Luke Tolson's show is on at... uh, I don't want to say that now. For dirty reality. Well, it's actually... Luke is talking. Luke is talking. Luke is actually uh, uplifting, um, and this is partly as a result of uh, uh, not drinking. I guess when my first couple of shows that I took up there, and as I was struggling to find my voice as a stand-up, they were quite downbeat, miserable, um, the world shit, and I'm not bothered about it. Whereas now I've realised that the world's shit, but I'm sort of okay with it. Mm. And um, and so there's a there's I think that's where we're lucky in this country that that's where most people are. Things aren't great, but mm. we're okay with them, you know. And that was Luke Tolson, who also played the legendary Captain DJ in 30 episodes of the BAFTA-nominated CBeebies show Space Pirates. That's right. That's what you're hearing the voice from, right? You're recognising the voice from Space Pirates. Um, I hope you enjoyed the conversation with him anyway, and do seek him out. He's a great comedian that also runs workshops uh, if you're a, a fellow comedian or, or interested in being a, um, on stage. And, uh, yeah, one of, genuinely one of the most um, solid uh, performers and also uh, he's got such a good work ethic with writing comedy. He's constantly writing and constantly working with other people. All right. I will speak to you in about two weeks' time, I'm sure, for the next Ed Fringe podcast. But until that time, have a lovely, lovely fortnight. Goodbye, everyone.